1: Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. I am a Ajad. That is Mike McClure. We are here and it's, it's roster cut day. So it's actually an interesting day to talk about some of these position battles that I think are going to have some implications week one. So that's really what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about wide receiver and running back situations that might really implicate week one and who we're starting and who we're not starting. But Mike, how are you? First, we, we got to get to some breaking news. A, a lot of cuts, a lot of big names, our office of and teams right now. A lot of big
2: names, a lot of big cuts. It's a really fun day because we do start to get some clarity. Chief gets excited when we get clarity. We're one day closer to week one. Uh, and it's the U.S. Open. We've got some tennis going on. And I'm happy to report that what I was crushing or what I was crushing, what I was sweating here, we just won. So, that's what is over. I've cashed my ticket
1: and I'm ready hey, to do the show. Let's go. Hey, this is such a good plug for watching us on YouTube because not only is Mike excited about winning his tennis bet with, by the way, guys, I've, I've literally never heard of. So I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, Chief got so excited about it that he just crawled all over Mike. So go check us out. Fantasy football today or youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Can I ask you real quick before we get to some of the, the latest breaking news in the NFL? Are these picks that were, were given out on Sportsline or on the early edge earlier or anything like that? They were not. Uh, I haven't been
2: on any shows today. This was a live bet um, nice. that I was making here as I was preparing for the show. Just rare opportunity where a certain player is offered at a certain number. Uh, so I took this bet in the third set, or yeah, in the uh, in the fifth set. Excuse me. Um, yeah. So
1: I love it. Well, I'll tell the audience. Uh, I'm sure you all that are listening are tuned into the Early Edge, which is a daily show. Of course. Um, brought to you by Sportsline. But Mike uh, oftentimes does have some tennis bets in there. And it wouldn't shock me, Mike, if during this U.S. Open, you've got some bets in there as well. But enough about that. Let's get to some of the latest news. Okay, we do have to cover Brian Robinson. I I think it's kind of good news at this point. Unfortunately, Brian Robinson was involved in some sort of attempted robbery and in a shooting. He he was shot. it, It appears to be multiple times. But non-life threatening injuries. Uh he's already out of the hospital after a, a couple days uh in the hospital. And you know, it's it's never a good story when you lead with somebody got shot. But I, I Mike, I just think this is I don't want to say a blessing, but I mean this is the best this news could have turned out in terms of the non life threatening nature of of this horrible uh incident.
2: Oh yeah. Terrible incident, but Absolutely fantastic news that we're getting. Uh, we fully expect him to play football at some point again here this season, which is fantastic news for him. and uh, Just everyone involved. Uh, we're happy that he's going to be okay and we'll see when he gets back with the team here.
1: Yeah, and we're going to talk about later in this show when we get to some of the running back situations, we are going to talk about Antonio Gibson, so so hang on uh, for that. As everybody knows, we like to cater this too early in the DFS season, particularly for this show, week one, and Antonio Gibson, the Washington Commanders, they are at home against Jacksonville, and there may be some maybe sneaky low end or contrarian type plays in that game that we can discuss not only today, but as we get closer to the main slate, other news. So Jimmy G resigns with the 49ers. Certainly this doesn't have any week one implications as they relate to Trey Lance. I do recall in our show, uh, one of our shows last week, you really liked the 49ers defense. Uh, Let me just get your general shots um, thoughts on Jimmy G resigning. And also now that we're starting to hear that Elijah Mitchell appears to be healthy are you going to be more willing to pair Mitchell with that 49ers defense on that week one Sunday main slate?
2: Yeah, look, I think that I'm willing to do it. I don't know if it's necessary because of all the value we'll still have, but in a normal week, yes, I'm very willing to do it. Uh, and just overall outlook on the 49ers, you know, one, it, it's kind of cliche to say it, but it's so true. It's it's, in, it's true in the college game. It's true in the NFL game. You're one play away from needing a backup quarterback in in this football league. You are truly one play away. Uh, So having someone like Garoppolo there, having that kind of some clarity on that situation, I just think it's overall, it's a net positive for that team. Uh, So I I think that it's a a good outlook for them. Uh, As far as DFS, it doesn't have any implications now and, and it likely won't throughout the season, but Knowing, you know, if you're listening to the show looking for any, you know, picking up tidbits for gambling, picking up tidbits for season-long fantasy, uh, I definitely think it should help your interest in some of those other players.
1: Yeah, and I'll I'll say this. I think I mentioned this when we started our off-season series, which featured so many incredible guests. I encourage everybody to go back and listen to some of that because it, it really truly is evergreen for the most part. But the call I made back in June was Niners, Bills, in the Super Bowl. So I, I get the fortune of sticking with it. And I love that Jimmy Garoppolo is still on this team because you're right. I think when it comes to Trey Lance, we're not really sure where he's at in his maturation as a quarterback, but we're also not sure, you know, every time you have a, a potential running quarterback, you're you always kind of and Trey Lance is built very solid, but you always kind of wonder, could there be an issue? Maybe it's just a two week issue not, a, not a season issue, but the idea of having Jimmy G back there with Brandon, Ayuk, with Debo Samuel, with George Kittle, with the running game, uh, Kyle Shanahan's running game at that. Uh, It does good vibes, in my opinion, when it comes. And frankly, I don't think Trey Lance considers Jimmy G a a huge threat. I think Trey Lance is probably comfortable knowing he has a relatively long leash here. Let's get to some some guys that might have an impact week one. Marlon Mack cut by the Texans. You know, I don't think anybody really thought he was going to cut into Damian Pierce's time at at this point in the game. We'll, We'll get to Damian Pierce week one later. But what are your thoughts on just the idea of Marlon Mack getting cut by the Texans?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. Uh, You've got the young guy coming in there with Pierce. Uh, You know, I don't really think that – I personally didn't think Marlon Mack was going to take any sort of meaningful reps of any kind. Uh, So while it's, you know, it's news and it's a headline and he's someone who we thought could be relevant coming out of college, had some time in the division with the Colts. Um, You know, at this point, I don't think it's a massive, massive news story. And I think if anything, what listeners can take away from it is – if you haven't drafted already, Pierce is going to be going significantly higher still, um, and to the point where he's probably overvalued.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I, I do feel bad for Marlon Mack and really anybody, especially at the running back position that suffers an Achilles injury like he did two years ago. It, it really seems unfair. And, and as an attorney, I do want to say, like, if I if I was an attorney consulting with the NFLPA, I'd almost have a carve out or special exceptions for running backs who are so devalued in the draft and therefore don't get paid nearly as much as literally every other position in the NFL. And on top of that, they get hit more than anybody in the NFL. So they're more inclined to get injured and they're less inclined to get money. And it just doesn't really seem fair, especially when you're trying to you know log in five, six years and you want to get your pension and things of that nature, all of those things, it really doesn't line up well for running backs. And and I'm I'm assuming Marlon Mack will get more shots at more teams uh, even after this cut. But uh, it's certainly not a good look to be cut by the Texans with that running back core. Let's go to somebody a little bit more relevant to week one, and that's Mike Davis. I bring up Mike Davis because the Ravens signed Kenyon Drake. Now, Mike, my opinion here is that signing of Kenyon Drake is more an implication on the status of Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, but I certainly could be wrong there. And maybe they just see Kenyon Drake as more of a talent than Mike Davis. Nonetheless, we've talked about it. We know Mike Davis is 4,400 in DraftKings week one. We know they're playing, the Ravens are playing the Jets. He seems like pretty great value. Um, What are your thoughts when it comes to this, uh, what I've kind of considered a a random Kenyon Drake signing?
2: Yeah, it's somewhat of a random signing. Uh, I think the the most interesting thing here is I get to say thank you uh, to the Ravens for potentially saving me and all my Mike Davis shares week one. Uh, if Kenya Drake's going to be active and involved there in that situation. Uh, but I think you're right. I think what it the way I read this is it's not necessarily great news for Dobbins. I, I don't think Dobbins is healthy. I don't think he's going to be healthy mm-hmm. you know, for the early part of the season. And I think that this is pretty obvious, right? Uh, I don't think you really go make that move if you – thought that he would be ready by week two or three, even uh, honestly, at at that point. Um, So I'm very worried about that as far as week one. um, It has big implications with Mike Davis, but, you know, Drake, if he, you know, we need some more clarity on that situation uh, that that we clearly don't have yet at this point. Drake, if he's active and available to play and everything, he's only 5,000 on the slate. Um,
1: We might still be playing a Ravens running back uh, in week one. Absolutely. So let's get to, and I don't know that this has week one implications necessarily, but it, it certainly could from a, a slightly contrarian standpoint. We have Sony Michelle, who was cut by the Dolphins. I think that's another surprise cut. And what we have there is Raheem Oster is healthy now. But I think everybody is squarely focused on Chase Edmonds. I think Chase is an interesting play against the Patriots if you think he is going to be or have the luxury of catching a lot of passes, getting a lot of targets. But I think when it comes to Chase Edmonds, I think most people are thinking more long term, okay, we don't have Sony Michelle there, but it also, to me, seems like a bump up to reheem mostert again, not necessarily week one, but maybe a guy who can you know, we know how fast he is who who can spring a couple of touchdowns and then all of a sudden, you know, he's paying off at like a four thousand dollars value in Draftkings or what have you. Um, any thoughts on the Sony Michelle cut?
2: i I find it to be interesting, but I, do, I it's not terribly surprising because they they do have a number of. They got some talent on the offensive side of the ball, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the backfield with Edmonds um, and, and Mostert. So I get it. I, I totally get it. Um, I would expect to see him with another team, though, this year, yeah. Sonny Michelle. I, mm-hmm. I would expect that somebody picks him up, uh, up. It wouldn't even shock me if it was the Patriots or Rams again, teams that he's already yeah. played with. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if one of those two teams at some point Uh, decided to go that route. Uh, As far as Raheem Mostert, though, yeah, I think that he's going to be incredibly frustrating in in Daily Fantasy just because there are weeks and maybe even early in the season that Tua is going to want to show off the new weapons, going to want to force targets to Tyreek Hill, do things like that. But Mostert, with that speed that he has, having Tyreek's speed on the field, having those weapons, it's certainly going to open up for him. He's going to have games of two touchdowns. He's going to have games with absolutely nothing. Uh, And it's going to be incredibly frustrating. But I think he's going to be one of those guys that in a lot of matchups, you can target him in uh, tournaments here in DFS.
1: Yeah, and that, you know, I, I think he's going to be back with the Rams too. We, we have Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson who are both, you know, they're back f- fully practicing at this point, but, you know, they they have been injury prone, as we know, especially with Cam Akers. Kyron Williams behind them, solid. Then you got Jake Funk and, and Xavier Jones, who's on IR. So I certainly could see a scenario where, yeah, both of those teams, but, but certainly the Rams uh, being super familiar with him. Before we get to some of these position battles, I wanted to ask you about one guy that I know you're pretty fond of week one. This was a piece of news that I thought – kind of got unnoticed. It, it just simply wasn't talked about. And there are certain buzzwords in this news that I'm like, wait a minute, we need to spend a little bit more time here. So Najee Harris um, told everybody you know, a few days back that he had a, a, a sprained Lisfranc in training camp. And you might say to yourself, OK, well, looks like he's over it. He played in the, in the final preseason game. Uh, but he called himself rusty. He certainly wasn't efficient, but we didn't see a lot of efficiency from him last year either. We saw volume as opposed to efficiency. I wonder when it comes to week one, Mike, does this news alone, whether it's the idea that he might still have a lingering injury going into week one or the idea that he's simply rusty, he's maybe not conditioning is off and things of that nature, his timing is off. Are you starting to back off your slightly contrarian Najee Harris play? I personally am not backing off of it
2: at all, but I think... General consensus will. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I would expect him to be incredibly low owned here in the first week. Uh, Quote today from Mike Tomlin when asked about the injury that limited Najee in camp, he says, it's a non-issue. It's in our rear view. Um, That's kind of how I feel about it. It is super interesting to have Najee's own quote saying that he was rusty. Uh, I think that's one that most players that are DFS players will look at and kind of grab onto that a little bit. So uh, no, I, if any, I wouldn't say it makes me like him more, but it doesn't change my stance on him.
1: And like. certainly makes what is already a slightly contrarian play even more contrarian. Which of course, anytime you're contrarian with a guy like Najee Harris who has the potential upside just by sheer volume, um, you are you know potentially passing the pack with somebody like Najee Harris. So super interesting take there. Let's talk about some running backs and wide receivers. We're going to go you know pretty quickly. Through this show, we're not gonna we're not gonna be here for an hour because I don't want to take up an hour of your time if we if we if we don't need to. Frankly, I just want to talk about some running back and wide receiver battles. I'll tell you, Mike, for Thursday, I'm really excited about Thursday's show. I do want to tell everybody about it. We're gonna talk about Mike specifically your strategy. Of course, you know me; I'll pitch in um, your strategy in attacking the main slate week one specifically early in the season when you have so many people sort of coming to the party, especially some of the casual players coming to the party. What's your strategy to attack? the main slate or really any slate week one. And we're going to do a a showdown lineup. Mike, I know it's going to be a week early, but we got that Rams-Bills game. You are the showdown specialist. We're not going to necessarily lock in a lineup, but I really want to get your thought process on your captain and some of the players you want to play. I think most people are going to gravitate to some of those Bills players and then like a 4-2 stack or maybe even a 3-3. There's guys like Gabriel Davis that are going to be super popular, but nobody can really figure out the running game. How do you play cup? How do you play the quarterbacks? So everybody tune in on Thursday because we're going to talk about sort of some main slate week one strategies and early in the season strategies, but we're also going to build that, uh, man, on Thursday, Mike, we're going to be a week away from football. Two amazing teams kicking off the season.
2: Two amazing teams kicking off the season. And honestly, there's a huge college football slate that night too. So mm. getting to talk about it on Thursday afternoon and doing all that. Oh, man, it's going to be so fun. I literally cannot wait for this thing to kick off, man. Showdown you, season is the best season.
1: Are you going to um, – here's a tease. Can, can you give us maybe one of your picks, whether it's from sports line or maybe one of your – not right now, one of your picks on Thursday – Um, so that maybe when the listeners come in and they hear some of your showdown and main slate thoughts, maybe we'll have a pick for them too. Absolutely. Let's do it. Absolutely. All right, that sounds amazing. College football. Wow. I I, I just, this is too much. Uh, apologies ahead of time to my wife and family because the next four months are going to be <laughs> very interesting. All right. So let's talk about some of these position battles. So Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell. We've talked about these guys because of the value you can pick up, particularly on Kenneth Gainwell and, and what we perceive to be a passing down role. I, I'm curious sort of where you stand. We're not making lineups yet, but I'm curious where you stand as it relates to going into week one with these three guys.
2: Yeah, look, I like them. Uh, the, the hope here is that Miles Sanders misses the game, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a ton of interest knowing that there has been some injury concern here if he does play, and the price point up to 5400 Not super interested there, uh, just kind of the way they use him. But guys like Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, we know that they can catch passes really well out of the backfield as well. The price points are down. We've seen them in these kind of situations before already. Um, I become incredibly interested in that part. They, they don't have kind of that name value that Miles Sanders does for a more casual audience in week one of the season as well. Um, so, you know, as far as which one, it's tough to say necessarily right now, but the thing that we're going to be looking for and hoping for the most is Miles Sanders to set.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I I almost expect that, but again, we're we're too far away to to really um affirmatively say that, but but let's talk about that game. That's one of four games I think that are going to be really popular. We talked about that last week as well where that that total has shot up as Mike spelled out for us last week. I believe it opened around 46 46 and a half and now it's all the way up to 49 Philly favored by four. That's going to be a popular game for a lot of reasons, but like Mike said last week, that's the conditions in that game are going to be pristine. So that's a game that could absolutely be a track meet on both sides of the ball. The, the next running back situation I want to talk about with you is Antonio Gibson. Frankly, uh, we know Brian Robinson isn't playing for quite some time. Hopefully he'll be back this year. Um, super thankful that that he uh, avoided major, major injury but we've got Antonio Gibson at 5,800, a JD McKissick at 5,100. I would imagine to the extent you were even considering this game or either of these two players, it would be it would be Antonio Gibson who clearly has something to prove. And is at a price point that's probably not going to be super attractive to people because that 5,800 zone, I think people would just prefer to go down to like an Elijah Mitchell or get a super savings in Mike Davis and then, you know, pair that with uh, Christian McCaffrey, running backs like that. So any thoughts in maybe, listen, the front seven for Jacksonville, not great. Uh, any thoughts? Antonio Gibson needs to kind of put his stamp on this league because people are really doubting him. Is there a shot here?
2: Oh, yeah. I think that there's definitely a shot. Um, you know, he, he's got a lot to prove and it's, a, you know, it, it's unfortunate circumstances for everyone, but it's a huge opportunity for him. Uh, to go out there and a pretty ideal situation for him in terms of playing at home against the opponent that he gets to play against. It's, it's a pretty good opportunity to put some more, I won't say it sounds weird saying put some more film out there, but to put some film out there and have, you know, a significant game in this spot. Uh, as far as I don't like to speculate too much on Robinson and when he's going to come back. The most important thing is just that he, he's fine. Uh, he was at the team facility today. He, he went to the team facility today it's you know, surgery went well. We don't know the extent of how long he's going to be out, but the idea that he's back at the facility already, um, we, that's good. So, as far as Gibson's concerned, I think that this is again, it's very unfortunate, but I, I think he's looking at this as a huge opportunity for him still, uh, in his career to go have this game here. Um, McKissick, I look, I like McKissick, especially if we get a Game script where they're neutral or trailing at some point. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. My issue here is the price point at 51. Uh, this is really a play that should be 42, 43, 4400. Um, so I, if I were to play one, it would be Gibson,
1: yeah. And I'll and impress upon everybody, well, a couple things here. One is, I, I hope. Some of you are watching us on YouTube because Frank is putting up all these stats, particularly last year's stats. And what you might have noticed with Antonio Gibson is it's not like he doesn't get targets. We know J.D. McKissick is going to be the two-minute drill guy. We know he's going to catch a lot of passes, particularly in a trailing game script. But listen, Antonio Gibson has... He was a he was basically a receiver at Memphis, by the way. So I mean, he absolutely has shown his chops. And in this game, I could absolutely see him getting a handful of targets. And I think the perception is going to be, well, McKissick's gonna get those targets. But like Mike said, in this game script, I'm not so sure about that. So I think Antonio Gibson, yeah. from a contrarian standpoint, uh certainly makes a lot of sense. Here's an interesting one. So one of the one of the flashy games of the main slate, it's in the afternoon. So we know the Chiefs in Arizona is going to be the, the really popular one, but either equally as popular or slightly more or less popular, of course, is going to be that Chargers Raiders game in Los Angeles. So Kenyon Drake, we we talked about him earlier in the show. He's not on that team anymore. Zamir White is a rookie and he's impressed, but I don't know that he's going to be featured week one. We have Josh Jacobs, who nobody wants to play. We have Amir Abdullah, who people probably won't want to play because they just don't know enough about Amir Abdullah, but it seems to me that Amir Abdul at 4,200 is in a situation, maybe I'm getting too cute here, Mike, I don't know, but in a situation where he could really rack up some points in what is likely a negative game script. Am I way off base? Am I reaching here?
2: Uh, I mean, it might be a minor, minor reach, only because early in the season, I expect Jacobs to just have a massive, massive workload in terms of just market share in general. Mm -hmm. Um, However... I don't think it's that big of a reach considering the overall game script and considering the overall roster construction that we expect a lot of people to follow. Um, I, I don't think that it, it's a huge reach there. Where I think that it's probably super interesting is if you're someone who wants to play some of the afternoon only slates in week one, as uh, this game is an afternoon game. The, you know, that's another tip we'll talk about later in the year mm-hmm. on the show, but... Playing those afternoon slates when all the content in the industry, including some of our own, is geared towards that main slate only. A lot of plays are glossed over that become really good plays when there aren't content providers out there talking about individual slates like that. This is one of those plays that fits really well in that late slate, that afternoon slates uh, for Sunday. I think you should have a ton of interest in, in him there.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll mention in our in our offseason series and what I deem to be evergreen content, we talked about different slate selection. We specifically talked about the afternoon slate. We specifically talked about the afternoon slate for week one of the NFL season. And I totally agree with you, Mike. It's a really good opportunity to kind of know like you, you're sort of, you know, I I made the analogy a couple months ago when I was talking. I can't remember uh, who it was. It might have been Andrew Erickson. Um that, you know, when you play poker nine-handed, when you play poker six-handed, y- you know what you can do. There's different things you can do. You can open, open up your hand range six-handed versus nine-handed, things of that nature. And there's there's a lot of other things you can do. There's certainly, like, be more aggressive, take stances. I think it's a good analogy for main slate versus afternoon slate. And, and I also think that you kind of get a really good idea of where people are going in those contests. Last year, my biggest success was, without question, just playing the afternoon slate. Like I would play the main slate, you know, I, I had moderate results throughout the year, in my opinion, um, maybe maybe a little bit better than moderate, but my really good results were in the afternoon slate. So that's something actually, Mike, we're going to touch on because I'd like you to expand upon that on Thursday when we talk about how you're going to attack the main slate, particularly early in the season. I do want to touch on maybe your strategy a little bit more in depth in uh, in the afternoon slate and just other slates in general. Let's talk about one more running back battle or maybe two more before we get to Uh, some wide receivers. But before we do that, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me
1: because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. And administrative and customer support at Robert Half. We know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: And we are back with Mike McClure. I am Sina Jav. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. We kind of already touched on this, but but let's just hear it one more time. We got Mike Davis, J.K. Dobbins, Kenyon Drake now on the Ravens. Let's keep this really simple. We clearly don't have enough information yet. But if you had to make a determination now, it does seem like Mike Davis is probably the guy to get the bulk of the carries Week One. Correct? He's the guy that
2: should get the bulk of the carries week one. Uh, I will say, though, it won't shock me or Chief if <laughs> uh, if Kenyon Drake comes in there and is available to play right away week one. It wouldn't shock mm-hmm. me at all uh, just because of the talent that he has, or at least we think he has. Obviously, one team doesn't think he has the talent. So at that point, but as of right now, yes, uh, if I had to make the call today, I, my, my assumption is, is that it's the Mike Davis show week one.
1: Yeah. And for the record, Mike Davis certainly didn't impress from a yards per carry standpoint uh, at Atlanta last year, but he had, a, he had a lot of targets and he had a good amount of tar- uh, excuse me catches on those targets. So if you think he's just going to be a one trick pony, that might not be the case, particularly qu- week one. So at 4,400, uh, I think you're potentially getting a lot of value there. I would imagine, Mike, he's going to be a pretty, at this point, and things can open up, of course, at this point, he's probably going to be a popular cash game option. Okay, fair enough. Yeah,
2: he's going to be a very, very popular cash game option. Um, Probably so much to the point that it probably won't be a very good tournament option.
1: Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Let's go to uh, a situation that I think is really interesting. you know, I'm kind of getting cute with Amir Abdullah, but I do think there's potential there. And I kind of want to ask your opinion in, in the same vein of Damian Pierce and Rex Burkhead for this week one matchup against Indianapolis. I think it's safe to assume that we're going to see a trailing game script. And I wonder if Pierce becomes a little bit sort of um, segregated out of the game plan a little bit in in favor of Rex Burkhead, who we know even in the preseason played on a lot of the third and long, and it's likely going to be the passing down back. Burkhead is 4,900, which is kind of crazy to me in in DraftKings. I thought he'd be a lot less. Pierce is 4,800. Any of them on your radar for week one?
2: Rex Burkhead is on the radar. Uh, He is more interesting to me than Pierce because of exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's really, really important in in the NFL and every DFS sport you play, frankly, but what's really important here is being able to accurately project the game script. And this is one of the games where we can pretty confidently project this game script. And... I expect them to be neutral or trailing. I certainly don't expect them to be leading and intentionally running the football mm-hmm. with Pierce very often in this football game. Uh, unless they just totally give up and, and totally punt the game away, which I do not expect them to do. Uh, it's a home game for them, a division game. Like They obviously want to win the game. Uh, Rex Burkhead should have all the opportunity there. I personally think that he is definitely in play. Like, I I don't think it's cash game worthy by any means, Uh, but I do think he's a very interesting tournament piece that you could use as a bring back on the other side if you're interested in playing any of the Colts players because I do expect him to have five targets in this game, at least three catches.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think uh, I think we're going to see a lot of Rex Burkett, and I kind of think we're going to see a lot of Amir Abdullah. But again, I'm projecting nine days out, so we'll get more defined calls on that as we move forward. Uh, a piece of news, and I don't know that I covered this on the front end because we, t- we were stuck on talking about Trey Lance when it came to the 49ers, but Elijah Mitchell does appear to be healthy. He does seem like a great maybe cash game play, maybe tournament play at 5,400. I wonder how popular he's going to be since we haven't really seen him in the preseason and all we hear about is sort of the backup running backs. Uh, any any thoughts on Elijah Mitchell as we head into week one?
2: Yeah, I like him. Uh, I'll be pairing him with the 49ers defense, so if I do end up playing him. Um, look, I, I don't there, – there's just so many options, right, at the price points, mm-hmm. Um you know, I need to get a little better read on some of the projected ownership heading into, you know, heading into that right at the weekend. Uh, you know, guys like him versus Clyde edwards at $5,400, their same price point. They're, there's just so many guys. Even we're talking about Rex Burkhead before that. All these running backs, there's so many of them between 4500 and 5500 right? There's just mm-hmm. so many guys that you can play Um, I think that generally people will be a little bit scared off too with Lanson just because of his rushing ability, particularly in the red zone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's a fantastic tournament play. I don't think it's something you want to do in cash games at, at this
1: point, but I think he's a fantastic tournament play. Absolutely. All right. So let's actually move on. to. And by the way, you mentioned 4,500 to 5,500. We did spend a lot of time on Clyde Edwards-Alaire last week, and I suspect we're going to be spending more time on him next week as we prepare sort of some of our player pool uh, heading into week one. So a piece I'm very, very much interested in. Interesting that, that Ronald Jones, it looks like he did make the roster, right, Mike? The 53? Uh,
2: I believe so. That's what I was uh, getting ready to check on next. I believe that he did, though.
1: Right. Yeah. So that's um. I, it's not super surprised to me, but I know some people were uh, pontificating about him not making the team. Let's talk about a few receivers before we get out of here. Clearly, from a position battle standpoint, you know, when it comes to the wide receivers, there's really not as much to discern relative to the running backs. But there were a couple guys I wanted to talk about just because I I love the games that they are in. Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton are two of them. Josh Palmer has gotten all of the press when it comes to the Chargers third wide receiver behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I think that is a really great game to stack. I think a lot of people will be stacking that game on that side of the ball. Justin Herbert with Mike Williams, maybe with Keenan Allen. I think double stacks are certainly in play here. And I think Eckler can be part of that conversation, but I certainly think Josh Palmer and maybe a flyer on on a lesser owned Jalen Guyton are in play. Any thoughts on either of those two guys for week one against the Raiders in a huge total?
2: Look, I love them. Uh, I think that they're fine to sprinkle in all formats. Uh, You know, we're thinking like big contests, Millie Makers, things like that. I think it's totally fine. Uh, When we mentioned it already, we'll talk about it again on Thursday. But these guys are fantastic plays on the afternoon only slate. You, mm-hmm. you play these guys on the afternoon only slate. You get to jam in the additional stud. The beauty is, is they have a quarterback that you're likely looking to play already with Justin Herbert. Um, just so many natural ways to stack them up or use them as bring backs on the other side if you like the car stacks. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like them both uh, as far as which one. I think that they're both low enough owned that you pick the guy you like and you don't try and be cute. Uh, this is one of those situations we see all the time where someone tries to get really, really, really cute and maybe play Guyton over Palmer because Palmer's projecting at 6% ownership on that slate. And this guy's projecting at 3%, the 6% to 3%, just play the 6% guy that you really like. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll talk about that throughout the course of the season, but I would still play Palmer over Guyton Yes, they'll both be on the field at times. Yes, they can both catch a long touchdown pass. But Palmer is, is that guy for me.
1: Yeah, six percent leverage is still pretty great. Is certainly the yep. point uh, Mike's making there. Uh, let's talk about uh, another game that it doesn't have the total we're looking for, but it, you know it has some interesting pieces. It's the Colts uh, against obviously the Texans. We talked about Rex Burkhead, and as we were talking about Burkhead as is as an interesting play at forty nine hundred, I believe it was. You know, I was thinking of like a skinny stack, but maybe not with JT, maybe with Michael Pittman, for example. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, I also want to play JT, don't get me wrong, but you got Pittman, you got Paris Campbell, you got Alec Pierce. It looks like Paris Campbell is the wide receiver too here. I don't know that I want to take a flyer on Paris Campbell week one, but I do, honestly, I I do have him in the back of my mind for the, the weeks going forward, particularly in games that might be more shootout-ish than this particular game. But your thoughts on Pittman as, as maybe a flyer, in week one,
2: I like Pittman. Uh, look, I, I think that there is a scenario here. There's a couple of scenarios. One scenario is the Texans come out and they're a little better than, than we think, and the game's a little more competitive, right? That, that's mm-hmm. very much in play in a division game when you're on your home field. The other scenario is maybe they want to show off the new addition in Matt Ryan. Maybe they want to get a few additional passing reps in this game. Uh, that's not going to surprise me at all either. You know, some of. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor has the big workload, right? And it's not going to shock me if he continues to have a big workload, but things could change in some of the offensive philosophy now that they have a guy like Matt Ryan back there. So I'm very willing to take a shot here on Michael Pittman and or Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, at what, 3,300? Yeah. Uh, I think you could do a lot worse than that from a value standpoint.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting game. If if somehow the points come through the air, uh, maybe you can throw Naheem Hines into that conversation as well. If they somehow come through the air and not through specifically Jonathan Taylor, at least from a touchdown standpoint, um, you're really leveraging the field with those, with those uh, contrarian pivots. Uh, let's talk about before we get out of here. You know, I think this is a little interesting. LaVisca Chenault uh, traded, obviously, to the Panthers. Uh, I don't really want to talk about the Panthers end of that. I mean, I think we're still talking Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore as the primary receivers. I'm not really interested in that Carolina-Cleveland game from a DFS standpoint. I know, Mike, I remember from last week, you are interested in that game from a betting standpoint. Remind the listeners, what did you already bet on for that game?
2: Uh, I have the Carolina Panthers money line. I played that at minus 118. Uh, It's been a week ago now since I played that. But yeah, I'm
1: on the uh, Panthers to win this game. So I think Travis Etienne is an interesting play against Washington. I I don't love it. Uh, Washington's front seven is certainly formidable. But I do think LaVisca Chenault frees up. Maybe I understand he's a receiver. It's different positions. But I do think he frees up a little bit more for Travis Etienne in the sense that I think they're going to be more willing to get creative with Travis Etienne now that they've gotten rid of LaVisca Chenault? Because I don't think LaVisca was ever a true receiver. I think he was kind of a hybrid guy, almost like an Antonio Gibson type. He just certainly wasn't used properly by the coaching staff last year. So sort of, is there a nod up? I mean, again, I know it's different positions. Is there a nod up to Travis Etienne? And if not, do you like the fact that now that we we have the, the absence of LaVisca Chenault, that maybe Christian Kirk or Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, maybe get a bump up, whether it's week one or early in the season?
2: Yeah, look, I like Etienne a lot. Uh, I do think that they're going to use him heavily. I don't know that it's the best spot to deploy him. The price point, just not super, super attractive. Um, it, it can give a bump to the rest of the guys there, but I think that there are still a ton of mouths to feed in that offense. And I think that it, we, we don't really have a clear guide on what it, the usage is going to look like across the board there. So I personally, on the Jaguars, I will be mostly avoiding them Uh, throughout the first few weeks. And the reason for that is there's such, there's a lot of value across the board and the likelihood that I am going to hit on them being right and them winning football games because they're going to have to basically win football games still to be super, super relevant in my opinion uh, in in DFS. Uh, I'd rather kind of wait and see. And if I miss out on it and I don't win the tournament, I'm guessing I can still cash my lineups without them. So That's a team that I frankly want no part of uh, in the first few weeks
1: of the season. All right. Well, Mike, I think we got some some pieces in there that not a lot of people are thinking about. Some of those names, especially some of those uh, pass catching running backs that that might really be in play for week 1 that are getting a little bit overlooked. More on that next week when we start to build lineups and start to build our player pools, but again, on Thursday, we are going to be talking about our strategy going into week 1, specifically week 1 of the NFL DFS season, and early in the season in terms of how to attack the main slate, how to attack the afternoon slate, and we're even going to build a showdown lineup for that Bills-Rams game that I know all of us are really looking forward to. That is your updated look at position battles uh, and training camp, preseason battles, and how they might affect the week one slate. We will see you in a couple days on Thursday. Thanks for joining us on Fantasy Football Today, DFS.